Well, good morning again. I just, I want to say what an amazing privilege it is for Jessica and I to be able to serve at this church with incredible families, incredible people. We're blessed to be a part of uh, your spiritual family, blessed to serve with an incredible staff, blessed to serve with a phenomenal worship team. I mean, I'm biased, but come on, they are incredible. I, I feel like I have to mention the production team at the back or they'll... <laughs> Love our elders, men of God, who um, love you, love the bride of Christ, and so blessed to be able to serve under a man of God who loves God's word, and in a culture that teaches moral relativism, or that, that truth is what I make it, you know, truth is truth to me, Pastor Randy believes that the Bible is the standard by which we live, and the content by which we teach, and I feel so blessed and so honored to get to be a part of that staff. Can you just tell Pastor Randy how much you love him and how much you appreciate how he handles God's word? God has great things in store for FCF, amen? In, in spite of us, in spite of me. But has somebody ever told you something and you thought to yourself, I don't think that that's true? Maybe they, maybe they told you something and you thought, who, who told you that? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been in this situation a couple of times where I was kind of led astray. Probably one of the worst was uh, before kids, Jessica and I had significantly more time. And, and all the parents said? Yeah, and you're all giggling still too. People that, I remember thinking when I was, when I, before kids, I'm like, Jess, we are so busy. We just have so much. <laughs> had no clue what I was talking about. We used to go every work, every day after work, we'd go to this place over here called the Sportsplex, and she would do these, these classes, and I would lift free weights, and, um, and we would uh, run together, and it was kind of a whole thing we did. During that season, we had some friends come in to visit us, and one of them was actually, did some lifting and bodybuilding. He was a member of the Swole family. He was like, <clears throat> and we uh, navigated some stuff with him. Am I, am I okay here, Gene? Is this moving? Are you good? Good man. So... As we were talking through this, he, he and Jessica start talking about this class that they go to together. And he, he's like, that's not exercise. Like, I don't know what that is, but it's not real exercise. Like, real exercise is weights. You've got to be, you know, like pumping iron. And she apparently got to some point in the conversation where she had just had enough of it. So she says, fine. All six of us are going to go to the class tomorrow, and we're going to do it together. And I'm like, I don't think this is a good, I had seen the class and I didn't think it was a good idea. But against uh, my protests, we, we went, we showed up, my buddy straight up, he's like, dude, we should run like three or four miles before the class. That way we can get a little cardio in so we're not like falling asleep during the class. <laughs> didn't seem like a good idea. Get to the class, there's 50 ladies and three guys me and my two buddies. And they have uh, one of those like, you know, like Richard Simmons steps, remember them things? That there's a step and then there's one of these bars and Jess walks over to me, she says, she says, hey babe, don't put too much weight on your bar. 
I looked at her. I'm like, don't you put too much weight on your bar. Like, like I'm, I'll handle my business. You handle your business, right? Go down this path. Get through all. Class starts, and, and we're looking at this lady who's teaching the class. I'm, I'm going to call her Olga. I don't remember what her name was, but she looked like an Olga to me, so we'll call her Olga. She's probably 110 pounds soaking wet in all her clothes, if she was. And, and from the back, we decided, my buddy, same buddy, brain trust, leading me astray, says, um, no matter what, guys, she's like late 50s, late 50s, very young, Pastor Randy, very young. <laughs> she's like late 50s, and we're in our prime. Like, we're in our, like, there, there is no way there's no way I'm going to be in a class where a lady in her mid, late 60s, late 50s is going to be lifting more weight than I am. So we put that amount of weight on our bar. Right around this time, Olga notices the three of us. And she says, oh, gentlemen, why don't you guys come down to the front of the class? <laughs> Still seems like a really bad idea to me. But we went down front. And this is where things really went sideways. As I get down front, I see that Olga is also a member of the Swole family. She's rip swole. I mean, her legs were like little pistons. I'm like, okay, we're in trouble. Like you, <laughs> you ever find yourself like nodding, but nobody asks you a question like, okay, all right, everything's fine. Like, bro, why are you nodding? Nobody asks you anything. I'm like, I'm gonna be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So, so the class starts, this is a true story. We finish the warm-up set, like five minutes, and we're like cooling off between and doing like this like little thing between the warm-up set and one of the sets, and buddy next to me goes from red face sweating to dry white face and then down like a sack of potatoes. Could have boom. And Olga's like, should we stop and wait for you? I'll keep going. <laughs> I'm like, dear God. So I, I keep, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing my thing. Da, na, na. It was, the class was called Body Pump. Anybody ever heard this class? Okay. I think Teresa Nail used to teach it. So it's like, na, 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 na. we're doing this thing. And my arms, like, fit, I'm like jello. Like I had, I had nothing, to, nothing left to give. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how to handle this. I'm at the front people around me. So I'm like, spin, like trying to knock the thing off, like shake weights off. So about, about halfway through, I just, I just have the bar. And then... By the end, I, I was done. I couldn't. So the bar was on the ground, and I was just trying to move my arms in the direction that she was, like kind of a thriller thing going on. But I was so mad at my buddy. I was like, you, you lied to me, and I believed you. I think we've all been in these situations before, and I feel like the biggest lies that we believe are in reference to our identity and who we are. They're in reference to who we think we are. And I want to ask you this question. Who do you think you are? If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Who do you think you are? We would answer this question all different ways. Pastor Randy alluded to it earlier. There's probably doctors in the room. There's probably lawyers in the room. Who are you? I think there's a couple little metrics that we use to look at who we are. And this is the most common. I think performance. Some find identity in their performance. You can turn the front wedge down a little bit, Gene, if you don't mind, buddy. Some find identity in their performance. This, I feel like, is the most natural metric we use. How am I doing? Am I doing good? Am I doing bad? Like, how, how is my life going? And we begin to develop our value based on our performance. My identity is connected to that. 
See, I love, I love Peter. Peter is one of my favorite guys in the entire Bible. Um, he was always in trouble, and that's like kind of my story. <laughs> like just always in trouble. He's the only person in an incredible accomplishment. He uh, was rebuked by all three persons of the Godhead separately. The Father rebuked him on the Mount of Transfiguration. In Acts, the Holy Spirit rebuked him. And Jesus was yelling at him kind of all the time. He was always in trouble with Jesus. But what I love about Peter is that he, had ne he never allowed himself to be identified by his performance, by his failure. And one of the most difficult points in his life is found here in Luke 2. Luke 22, excuse me, where he's, he's denied Jesus twice. Jesus predicted this. He tells him this. And this is where we pick up. Another person around the campfire says, uh, certainly this, this man is also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Excuse me. Another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. This is the toughest, toughest verse in this passage. And then the Lord turned and looked at him. See, Peter was a fisherman. He, he was nobody special. He, he, he wasn't the best of the best. He wasn't the smartest. He, he was just an average guy. But of his own saying, of his own profession, Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus had seen greatness in Peter and had given him an identity better than anything else he could have achieved on his own. And then he denies him. And that's the end of Peter's story, right? He blows it, and that's, that's how it ends, right? No. He did not allow his performance to define him. He refused to be defined by a failure. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's what happened with Peter. Peter was able to achieve great things for God. Go ahead, you can talk amongst yourself. I'm going to get a drink real quick. It's super important for us that we don't allow ourselves to be defined by our performance, defined by our failures. You've got to let them go, and this is why. Holding on to your failures is guarding your own prison cell. Get to this place, we make mistakes, we feel bad, and then we think, you know what? I, I can't do better. Like, this, this is who I am. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to hold myself to my performance and my identity is going to be tied there. How do we get past that? Super simple. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to, what's it say? Yes. Everybody, what's it say? Forgive. Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I was talking about this with Pastor Randy, he shared an insight that he felt like God was, had spoken to him. We confess is a huge part of this process. But the other part of confessing, tell God what you did, but then tell him why you did it. See, that's where the rubber hits the road for us, is what are the motives behind the decisions that we make? What are the motives behind the things that we do? And again, I'm, many, many of you don't know me super well, so I apologize if this comes on kind of heavy, because it's not, it's not my heart to, I want you to always feel lifted up and excited, but feel like I need to say something. 
our, our culture struggles with this whole responsibility thing. We, 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 we battle with this. We don't want to confess. We want to blame. And yesterday as I, was, as I was prepping for this, I felt like God laid something on my heart that blame will erode your identity because you never take responsibility for the decisions that you make and you never take responsibility for who you are becoming. You are the total of the decisions that you make. You can't be defined by your performance. The way you get past it is you confess and you move past it. Now, again, I've been a parent for, in some of your minds, a cup of coffee. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young parent. I totally get that. But I have two amazing uh, examples in my parents and Jessica's parents who actually were here in the, in the first service. And uh, I love you guys. Thanks for, I think they're watching online now. Appreciate you guys being here. And as, didn't they do an awesome job raising Jessica? Isn't she amazing? I mean... And you know what they say, behind every moderately successful man is a surprised mother-in-law. It's true. It's true. Take that to the bank. Yeah, the bank. Parents, don't get to the point that you give your kids an out. Don't get to the point that you allow your kids not to take responsibility for their actions. I believe it's one of the most detrimental things you can do. When I was a youth pastor, we would, parents, parents sit down with me talking, I hear, I hear Billy's having trouble in school. Yep, it's that teacher. That teacher's, you know, he came down. Well, isn't he having trouble in sports too? Yep, it's the coach. That coach is in trouble in church. It's the youth pastor, trouble in. Our culture struggles with this responsibility thing. And I'm not just picking on the kids. Adults, I think we do it too. Third job in one year, it's the boss's fault. It's always it's the employer's fault. I'm on my seventh marriage. It's all my spouses, all of them. <laughs> Got to get to a place that we take responsibility. Our culture wants to blame everybody else. We, we so drove home um, responsibility with our family that we created a new rule. The new rule was this, tell on yourself. So if our kids make a mistake, come and tell on yourself. You tell on yourself, you'll either get a very small punishment or no punishment. We want to encourage our kids. Uh, you can steal that if you want to. I stole it from somebody. You steal it from somebody. Tell on yourself. Encourage them to be responsible. And we need to be responsible. I'll tell you this. If I, if I, when I mess up at FCF, <laughs> I already have many, many times. You know what I do? Hey, boss, PG, how's your day going? <laughs> Sorry, I got in an argument with Pastor Kim. She was making fun of my blouse and fancy pants, and I, I pitched a meatball at her, and it went south from there. Take responsibility. Confess. Move past it. Don't allow yourself to be defined by your failures. Also, don't allow yourself to be defined by your successes. See, performance goes both ways, positive and negative. See, if I define myself by my gifting or by my successes, identity derived from gifting is, what is it? Pride. It's pride. My gifting won't be tied to that. I won't be defined by my performance. 
not about how good you look on social media. Hashtag at the gym. Hashtag getting swole. Hashtag on fleet. I'm going to keep it 100. About that life. What's the T? Be honest. You have no idea what I just said. Anybody? Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Pretty sure. Here's why you can't get life from social media. Voices we let give us life can also take it. The voices that we allow to speak into us have a huge effect. I can't change what you think of me, but I can change whose opinion I value. And I will not get life from a social media page. I will not be defined or identified by my performance. That's the first thing we do. Everybody say performance. performance. It's about half of you. How about the rest? Performance. performance. You guys are awesome. Here we go. The second thing people identify with is their position. See, they all start with P. Uh, do you know why? Because famous people do that, so I figured, you know, why not me? Okay. I thought that joke was funnier. Performance. We all, we all know people like this. We all know the person. You can't get two seconds into the conversation without them telling you, well, I'm the CFO of blah, 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 blah. You're like, okay. Pride looks bad on everybody. Humility looks good on everybody. So... Don't allow yourself to be defined by your position. You obviously have people way over on the spectrum that, that identify with their position in, in a very, very gregarious way. But then I think on some level, we all struggle with this. Being defined by what we do, by the position that we hold. And here's why I think positional identity is so dangerous. We don't have a ton of passages in reference to the fall, but this is probably one of the most telling um, in my mind. Isaiah 14 says this. This is in reference to Lucifer. For you, Lucifer, said in your heart, I will, what's it say? Ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount, again, a reference to height of the congregation, on the farthest side of the north. I will, again, ascend above the most high. What's the response? Yet you shall be brought down. To the very depths, the lowest depths. See, if you humble yourself, God will honor you. But you try to honor yourself and you'll get humbled. Don't allow yourself to be defined by your position. Satan wanted to use his power and his influence to serve himself. Jesus used his power and his influence to serve us to the point of death. What position are we striving to ascend to? Servant. Philippians 2. Philippians 2 says, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. I want to stop right here. In very nature God. Fully God. Fully man. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself, what's it say? Taking the very nature of a... Taking the very nature of a servant. We have a ton of workers that serve here at FCF. Can we give it up, actually, for all of our serving teams? Incredible groups. And... And I, I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're a, a faithful follower of Christ, 
I want to encourage you, serve. Don't just sit and soak, but find a way we can help care for the bride of Christ. And I mean, we, we want to open up some more kids' services, and we're struggling for workers. So please, if you can, get involved. If you are serving, I like to kind of hit people at different places. If you are serving, I want to encourage you with something. I think we're all fine serving until somebody treats us like a servant. Like, I'll serve until somebody treats me like I'm a servant. This is what I mean by that. So I, I get bored kind of easily. I know some of you have seen these videos of me doing push-ups and meetings and stuff because I just, my brain just goes places. And a lot of times at, at restaurants, there's actually a couple people in this room that have seen me do this. Um, if we're waiting to eat, I'll, I'll just, you know, if we're standing in that, in that entryway place there, I'll go grab a couple of menus, stand at the front door, and greet people as they come in. Thank you for coming to Bonefish Grill. I recommend the Bang Bang Shrimp. Hand him a menu. I mean, it passes the time. Really confused. I mean, the best people coming in, they seem fine with it. But the wait staff, incredibly confused by this whole ordeal. I had someone, true story, try to order a drink from me. And I'm like, I, I'm not getting you a drink, bro. He's like, why not? I'm like, I, I don't work here. So like, well, why are you holding the door? I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I was fine serving until somebody treated me like I was a servant. I'll stand at the Welcome Center and I'll pass out programs, but I don't want to talk to that guy. I'll stand at the desk and I'll smile at people, but I'm not picking up trash. Man, that I... <laughs> Personally, that I, there would be nothing Pastor Randy would ask me to do. Pa Pete, there's a toilet clogged in, in the second stall in the men's bathroom. Yes, sir. I'm, I want to serve. I want to be the guy to do it. See, I think this transfers to, <laughs> transfers to how we serve at our, at our offices, our occupations as well. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Pete, do I have to like live out my faith at my job as well? Yes, you do. Or don't tell anybody you're a Christian for the sake of the rest of us. Boss needs something. Be the guy that's like, hey, I, I want to serve. And maybe you're in your job and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm better than this. Like, I'm better than what I'm doing right now. Like, I can do more than I'm doing right now. I'm better than this. Is it possible? Just think about this for a second. Is it possible that Jesus thought that when for 17 years, males started their apprenticeship about the age of 13, when for 17 years, the greatest communicator of all time was making benches. He's got his plane. Shh. Shh. I'm going to teach the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. I'm fully God, fully man. I'm better than this bench. This, this joker got me playing in benches. Man, that we would see ourselves in a way that would never prevent us from being willing to serve. That we wouldn't allow position to be something we strive for. And this just popped into my head. Too many people, I don't know where I heard it, so Google it if you want to find it. Too many people climb the ladder of success only to realize they've leaned it on the wrong building. Man, that we wouldn't get there, but that we would work 
to ascend to the position of servant. The next thing, it's so, so difficult. If you're in your job and you feel like you're better than what you're doing and you feel devalued, think about this. Don't judge the value that's in you by the number of eyes that are on you. Don't allow yourself to get value based on your position or identity based on your position. Be faithful. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Man, that that would be our heart. That would be our heart. Some are defined by their performance. Some are defined by their position. This is the most challenging one in pastoral ministry. It's the hardest one, I feel like, for us to get past. Some are identified by their pain. They have been hurt for so long that their identity is tied to this. And it takes kind of a, a couple different forms. How could God use me after all I've been through? You know, I, God can't have a purpose for me because of all the pain I have. God can't have a plan for my life because of all the pain I've been through. The pain you've gone through may have marked you. Don't give it the authority to identify you. In the first service I had, your pain may have marked you, but it doesn't have the authority to identify you. And as I was preaching it, I realized the only way you can get to that point is if you give it away. It does not have the authority to take away your identity, but you can surrender it. Don't surrender it. Pastor Randy and I were talking about, about this, this last chunk here, and I just, man, it breaks my heart because we've both been in these conversations with people where you sit down with them and you're talking through whatever it is they're dealing with, and they say something, it comes out a little something like this. Pastor Pete, I think I'm in this situation right now. I think I'm dealing with this because, because God's mad at me. He's, he's mad at me. This, is, this right here, what I'm dealing with, is God punishing me for what I've done. A picture God is this angry guy on a throne waiting for you to mess up so you can squash him like a grape. That's, listen, if you don't hear anything else that I say, hear this. That's not who our God is. That's, he gave you life and then gave his life for yours. That's where your identity is found. Don't allow the devil to tie your identity to your pain. And anytime you hear that in your head, if, if you've struggled with that, two people in the first service felt that in, in their heart. That's a lie. That, that is coming from something. It's coming from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the devil. You are chosen, not forsaken. You have value to God. And when the devil tries to throw your past in your face, you remind him of his future. Come on, he has no future and your future is bright. The best is yet to come. Man, I thought that was really good. I thought y'all should have said amen. That wasn't even in my notes. I should have wrote that down. I think I didn't say in first service, did I, Pastor Andy? I got him giggling at least. Last point, last thing I want to share. On, I want to say it was Monday. Jess could probably tell you. I, I was walking around our house. I had, I had the whole sermon completed and actually went a completely different direction. 
um, with this point here. There was a, a piece of paper from one of the classes that one of our kids brought home. And I just, you may not know this, but back in, in kids' church, they're, they're not just um, entertaining your kids or babysitting. They are teaching them the word of God. Come on, isn't that awesome? Give it up for them teachers. And I saw, I saw this piece of paper on, on the counter, and I, I, didn't, I don't even know what the rest of it said, but just the name Gideon jumped off the page at me as I walked past. It may not even have been the story, because Gideon um, has, did incredible, incredible things for the kingdom of God and the people of Israel. Let's look at it. Some context you will get from this, and most of it, you don't need any more than this. So, Judges 6.11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. What's it say? Man. Excuse me? Pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why am I in all this pain? Why, why has this happened to me? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15. Excuse me, God, pardon me? But how can I save Israel? Because my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. As I read this passage, I felt like there were three things that God showed me. I want to jump back to this verse right here. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak. This is verse 11. What's incredible is it doesn't say until verse 12 that he appeared. So maybe you're in a situation right now and you're, man, you feel like you're in pain. You feel like you're alone. You feel like you're hurting. Or maybe even in the season of COVID, you felt like that. And you were stuck by yourself. Like, this is miserable. Like, I can't do this. And you feel hurting. You feel alone. You think nobody's here. There is a chance. If you are someone who is fully trusting and following, He's already there and you don't even know it. He's with you in the middle of your circumstance. And for you this morning, maybe, maybe you don't want to be found. Verse 11 says, the angel came and sat down under the oak and he's threshing wheat, where? In a wine press. Well, we're not an agrarian society. You know, what, that doesn't make sense to us, but you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. A wine press is normally in a valley. You thresh wheat on a hill. And the, the wind blows the chaff away. That's, that's where you thresh wheat. But Gideon didn't want to be found. He didn't want to be found. And what I love about that is this, this verbiage here, the angel of the Lord, is actually what theologians call, Pastor Randy? Theophany, which is the physical representation of God. There's a few times in the Old Testament that we see this. The burning bush is another representation. It is, it's not just another angel. It's God himself. 
You may be in pain. You may feel alone. You may not want to be found at all. And God himself will come and find you. The last thing I felt like God spoke to me was just probably super obvious to some of you. Gideon is so confused by the fact that God is sitting there talking to him or this angel is talking to him. It doesn't make sense to him. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the weakest and the least. And what does God call him? Come on, say it. Who does he think he is? Who does God call him? The Lord is able to meet you there. Who you think you are and who God knows you to be could be different. I, I have a perspective of who Pete is. Uh, I got very little to offer you. This is what he tells Gideon. The Lord, he said, how am I going to do this? What's God say? I will be Come on, say it out. I will be. And that's all you need. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Come on, that's so good. You didn't have to ask. You just said it. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Stop trying to define yourself by who you are. I'm going to close with this thought. Some of you know this about me, but some may not. I was not a, a music major in school. I actually studied counseling psychology, graduated the pastoral degree uh, in counseling, and, and I did have some, took music courses and stuff, but I studied um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, uh, self-esteem. One must believe in themselves in order to achieve uh, self-actualization and, and, and this self-confidence being the root and driving force to someone being healthy. And I don't mean to insult anybody if that's your field, but I'll tell you as a follower of Christ, everything that I hear and see, I run through the filter of Scripture. And I just don't think that that's accurate. I think self-confidence is garbage. This is what I think matters. God confidence. It doesn't matter what I think about myself. Weakest and least. He sees a mighty warrior. He sees greatness inside of you. All you have to do is trust and follow through Christ who strengthens. Would you stand to your feet with me? I also just want to encourage you with the fact that it doesn't matter what others have called you. I, I love Pastor Randy's story. It parallels my father's in a lot of ways. Pastor Randy had all kinds of reasons that he could have allowed his pain to eliminate him, preclude him from ministry. He would always say, you know, Pastor Pete, I'm, I'm pretty dinged up, man. I'm, well, actually, he's like, <laughs> it's like, Pastor Pete, I'm pretty, I'm pretty dinged up. You ever seen him walk through a doorway? It's like... <laughs> I love you, boss. He would not allow his pain to define him. You good? He was going to be defined by who his God was. My father had a really 
rough, rough history, made some bad mistakes in his life and ended up in a jail cell. His family, he, he blew it. Remember his family said, man, Bernie, you were born a loser, you lived a loser, and you're gonna die a loser. And my dad realized that he may have been born a loser, but when he became a follower of Christ, he was born again a winner in Christ. Amen? I want to sing one more time this song. I am who He says I am. I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. I'm called. I'm set apart. He created me and then He redeemed me. All that I am, I can achieve in Him. One more time, let's just sing this together. Father, right now, God, I pray that people would feel comfort in Your presence. In Jesus' name. Come on, baby, sing it. I am chosen. I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I I want to sing this song just one more time. And maybe for you, you've always struggled with where your value is. Maybe you've battled with your performance. Maybe you've battled with your position. Or maybe the pain in your life has been so difficult that your whole identity has been tied to it. I want to sing this song one more time, but I want you to reflect on the fact that you are a child of God. Come on, He has called you, He has set you apart, and your value is tied to Him. Go ahead, baby. No. And the sun sets free. Sing it out. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child. Yes. Yes, I am. In my Father's house. Come on, sing it. In my Father's One more time, just the voices, sing that out. Who the sun? Who the sun? Come on, in my father's house. One more time. In my Father God, we thank you that our value is tied to you. Our value is in you. Our identity is in you. 
God, we will only be identified by the one that gave us life and then gave his life for ours. You created us and then you redeemed us. God, our only response is to trust and follow. Our only response is to say, God, all that we are, we give to you. Knowing as we do that, our identity is in you alone. We foster God confidence. God confidence. Ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And in one loud FCF voice, we all said, Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise this morning.